Chapter 1 The Importance and Value of Bible Study Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Psalm 1, verses 1-3 through 3. Our subject first is the importance and value of Bible study. You will find the text in Psalm 1, 1 through 1-3. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. There has perhaps never been an age that set such great store in study, as that in which we now live. The unfortunate thing about it is that so much of the study in our day, both by children and adults, is devoted to books and subjects in which there is little or no profit. A large portion of every year in our schools and colleges is practically wasted. Time is squandered on the purely speculative, the uncertain, the unprofitable, the unessential, the unproductive, the irrelevant, and the transitory. Many practical businessmen think that the sooner the boy or girl who recently graduated from school or college forgets half of what they imagine they have learned, the better. The most profitable of all study is wisely ordered Bible study. Its value is incalculable. It is beyond all comparison more profitable than any other study. It is the one superlatively profitable study. Possibly some of you may be inclined to question that statement. So I will give you two reasons why Bible study is the one superlatively profitable study. Why Bible study towers far above all other studies in importance and value. Because of what the Bible is. Bible study towers far above all other studies in importance and value because of what the Bible itself is. In the first place, the Bible is the unequaled masterpiece of clear, pure, clean, forceful, beautiful, exalted English. Nothing can match it in purity, smoothness, clearness, force, and magnificence of expression. That allows no question. All intelligent, well-read, and candid infidels acknowledge that. Professor Phelps, at the head of the English department at Yale, contended some years ago that the candidates for admission to American universities should have their qualification for admission, as far as their knowledge of English was concerned, tested by one book alone, the Bible. And Harvard University has announced in the past few weeks that hereafter, every student before graduation must pass an examination in the English Bible. Because of Harvard's well-known theological position, and from the fact that they seem to emphasize the Revised Version, it is evident that they view the Bible as the great English masterpiece. Last Tuesday I received a book for examination from G.P. Putnam's Sons of New York and London, a dictionary of 6,000 choice and effective phrases. In this book, time and again, page after page, every phrase was taken from the Bible without variation or addition. Here and there were scattered phrases taken from Shakespeare, but on subject after subject, whole pages of significant phrases were taken from the Bible. Why? 
because this book of phrases was prepared by a master of English articulation, and he knew where to find the most illuminating and most telling phrases. Every man and woman should saturate themselves with the very words of the Bible, if for no other reason than to clarify, strengthen, and invigorate their English articulation. Footnote. Keep in mind that this book is based on a series of messages given in the early 1900s, and that sadly, the theological stance of these institutions has since changed drastically. When Henry Stanley, the great newspaper writer, made his second tour of exploration into the heart of Africa, he took only one book with him, the Bible. He devoted and improved many lonely hours in his study, and when he emerged, after having been shut up with one book for so many years, it was noticed that Henry Stanley had acquired by absorption an entirely new English style, a far more forceful style, Bible English. It is said that a newspaper report of a paragraph from one of Mr. Moody's sermons was handed to Max Mueller, the great philologist, and he was asked what he thought of it. He asked, who wrote that? And the reply was made, D.L. Moody. I do not wonder then at his power, Max Mueller exclaimed. That is one of the finest pieces of clear, strong, pure Anglo-Saxon I have ever read. But where'd Mr. Moody learn this vigorous English? From the only book he thoroughly knew and daily devoured, the Bible. Secondly, the Bible is the book that presents the most profound, the most coherent, the most consistent, the most comprehensive, the most complete, the most perfectly balanced, the most certain, the loftiest, and the most enduring system of philosophy ever discovered. I say discovered instead of devised, for man could have never devised the philosophy found in this book. Man simply discovered the philosophy that God had revealed in the book. Time and again through the centuries, men who grew wise in their own conceit, and had only a ludicrously fragmentary knowledge of the book upon which they ventured judgment, have determined to ridicule the Bible's philosophy regarding God, man, redemption, duty, and eternity. But always in the ultimate outcome, the philosophy of the would-be critics has dissolved and disappeared, while the philosophy of the Bible has stood unscathed in the storms of centuries. Philosophies, empires, and schools of thought have passed away. But the words of this book have not passed away. Matthew chapter 24 verse 35 The philosophy of this book has proven imperishable and as good for A.D. 1921 as for A.D. 95. In view of this undeniable fact, is it not evident that this is the most important and valuable of all books to study? Don't waste your time studying the soap bubbles of man's iridescent speculation that may be beautiful, but soon burst and leave nothing but a nasty, dank, greasy feeling behind. Study the eternal rock of this book that is rich with real gold. In the third place, the Bible is the book that offers us the purest, loftiest, most complete, and absolutely dependable system of ethics ever known. Systems of moral philosophy have appeared throughout the centuries, from Zeno to Herbert Spencer, only to disappear. But after thorough and complete righteousness, all honest seekers bow to the imperishable durability of the ethics of the Bible, and even those who clamor hysterically for us to give up the virgin birth of our Lord, the resurrection of his body from the dead, all his miracles, the deity of our Lord, his atoning, substitutionary death, and other distinctive, 
doctrinal teachings of the book, nevertheless cry, Let us keep the ethics of the Bible. They are not only unsurpassed, but also absolutely unequaled. The most important thing to know is how to live, not how to live physically, but how to live morally. If that is so, then the most important book for all of us to know is the book that tells us how to live morally, for no other book tells us this. In the fourth place, the Bible is the one and only book that has never been outgrown or superseded. I had an opportunity last summer, while packing up our home in Montrose, Pennsylvania, to review some of the books I had studied. Yes, I had dug into these for many hard hours of intellectual toil, at preparatory school and at Yale. There was not one of them of any present value to my children or grandchildren. They had all been outgrown or superseded. Other books have taken their place, but this book has not been superseded. No university professor on earth can suggest some other book to take the place of this book. Some venture to say, We need a new Bible, but where is it? Why don't they bring it out? When an especially immature and therefore daring member of this crew does attempt a new Bible, it is only a shorter Bible, that is, the old Bible with parts left out that made him uneasy in his sin, or in his self-righteousness and self-sufficiency. No! 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 Anyone who has an iota of real, healthy common sense knows that you cannot outgrow or supersede the Bible, and we can safely leave those who want to get a new Bible to sit and twiddle their thumbs along with the other lunatics who are working on a perpetual motion machine. This all being true, and centuries of unvarying history of human thought demonstrate that it is true, can there possibly be any other study so important and so permanently profitable as the study of this, the one and only imperishable book? Once more, the Bible is the word of God. That needs no demonstration. Some of the things I have already said prove it, if you think them through, and I have proven it again and again from this platform. Other books tell us what men suppose. The Bible tells us what God knows. Other books tell us what other men, almost as foolish as ourselves, speculate. This book tells us what an infinitely wise God, who made us and all things, and knows all things, has inherently revealed. If you had two books on a subject, one by the one master thinker on that subject, and the other by a third-rate tutor in a fourth-rate college, which would you study most? And will you study most the book of God? The book of the infinitely wise, omniscient God? Or the book of some little six-by-nine-inch human brain? Because of what the Bible does. Bible study towers above all other studies in importance and value, not only because of what the Bible is, but also because of what the Bible does. On this I cannot dwell as I would like, the full exposition of this line of thought would provide more than enough material for a whole sermon by itself. Let me select a few of the more vital points. First of all, the Bible properly studied makes men wise unto salvation. Paul, the great master apostle, wrote to his zealous young bishop, his convert and most trusted co-worker, and said, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Second Timothy 3, 
This is a tremendous endorsement of the superlative importance of Bible study, and every word of it is true. This book does make men wise with the wisdom that is golden, the wisdom that brings eternal salvation. No other book in all literature does it with the certainty and clarity and completeness with which this book does it. No one can study this book correctly, no matter how ignorant he may otherwise be, without becoming possessed of that priceless wisdom that means eternal life. Eternal life is found in knowing God and His Son Jesus Christ. John 17.3 And no other book has the power to make us acquainted with God and with His Son, Jesus Christ, that this book has. I have known great philosophers and great men of science and great literary luminaries who did not know God, simply because they had not studied and therefore did not know their Bibles. They knew rocks and flowers, and the internal parts of frogs. They knew the planets, the comets, the stars, and men's books. But they did not know the one book. Therefore, they did not know the God who made the rocks, and the flowers, and the stars. Therefore, they were lost, eternally lost, in spite of all their knowledge of other things. On the other hand, I have known uncultured people, almost illiterate people, washerwomen and others, who had studied, and therefore, did know the Bible. They knew more of the wisdom that really counts, the wisdom that spells salvation in five minutes, than these learned professors knew in their whole lifetime. Oh, study the book that brings eternal life. Make it in your own experience the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. James 1.21, Revised Version. In the second place, the Bible makes Jesus Christ known, so as to lead anyone who studies it to believe in Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, and thereby to obtain eternal life in His name. That is what John says in John 20.31. These are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through His name. Is there anything in all the world so valuable as eternal life? Is there any other study for one moment comparable in importance and value to the study that brings us eternal life? In former years, I had hay fever severely. Every September for three weeks or more I could not lie down to sleep, or even stay in the house at night. I would go off by myself every night where I would not disturb anyone. And all night long, I would almost rupture blood vessels by spasms of coughing. I saw an advertisement for a book on hay fever, so I bought it and studied it with great care and obtained great relief. Wasn't that profitable study? But what is getting deliverance from such a wretched complaint as hay fever compared to getting eternal life? And the proper study of this book brings eternal life. No man can study even one book in the Bible, the Gospel of John, in the way he ought to study it without believing before he gets through it that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing, obtaining eternal life in his name. John 20, 31 I have proven this repeatedly with all classes of men, from bartenders to a college dean in one prominent British university, and a very distinguished professor in another. In the third place, the Bible imparts God's own nature to the men, women, and children who study it as they should and thus completely transforms their inmost and their outward life. Peter puts it this way, Through the exceeding great and precious promises of the book, ye might be partakers of the divine nature. 2 Peter 1.4 
Isn't that great? To become a partaker of God's own nature? Well, it is through the proper study of this book. By the truth of this book, carried home to our hearts by the Holy Spirit as we study it, that we become partakers of God's own nature. Centuries of experience proved the truth of this wonderful assertion by Peter. Countless men and women of the most depraved nature have obtained an entirely new nature, God's own nature implanted in them, by the proper study of this book. I have been told that if you study Mrs. Mary Baker Eddy's science and health persistently, it will cure you of appendicitis. Well, study this book as you ought, and it will cure you of devilitis. I have found it so in my own experience. Neither Mrs. Eddy nor Christian science cured me, but this book did. Try it for yourself. In the fourth place, when properly studied, this book makes the one who studies it grow like the palm tree in all the graces and glories of Christian character. As Peter says, desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. 1 Peter 2.2 Various neighbors of mine in South Pasadena have built homes since I located there and have set out various kinds of palm trees. It is simply amazing how they have grown. Ah, but that is nothing compared to the way men, women, and children grow spiritually, and morally, when they feed as they ought to on the bread of heaven. The milk of Eden, the finest of the wheat in the garden of God, and the honey out of the eternal rock found in this book. Oh, sometimes I almost grow weary when people come moaning to me from the Atlantic to the Pacific and from the Gulf of Mexico to the border of Canada and beyond, blubbering over their poor progress in the Christian life, and wondering why they do not make more headway. And when I ask, do you meditate on God's word day and night? Do you really dig into the Bible every day? They reply, oh no, not every day. I am very busy. I am a very hard-working man. Or, I am a very active businessman with many other men under me. Or, I am a very busy mother, and I cannot find time to get down to solid Bible study every day. So I ask, Do you read the newspaper every day? And they respond, Yes, morning and evening. And yet no time to get alone each day and listen to God? In the fifth place, the Bible properly studied makes the heart pure and keeps the life white. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? The psalmist asks, and then replies, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Psalm 119.9 There is a power in this book, when it is properly studied, to make and keep the life clean that no other book possesses. And there is also a power in this book, when properly studied, that no other book possesses to make and keep the heart pure. The psalmist says again two verses later in Psalm 119.11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Oh, how many stained lives I have seen bleached white by the power of the sunrays of this book! How many hearts I have known that were full of all uncleanness, to be made pure and clean by filling them with the truth found in this book! In the sixth place, the Bible, properly studied, brings peace, wonderful peace, to the troubled heart. The psalmist says, I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. Psalm 85.8 The one who learns to sit and listen to God as he speaks to him in this book will hear him speaking words that will fill his heart with peace, no matter how storms may rage around him, and no matter how war howls and bellows. Listening to God's word, David sang in the midst of the wildest conflicts, 
The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. Psalm 27, 1-3 And just before the wild storm clouds broke in the worst night the disciples ever passed through, in speaking of the peace-giving power of his words, the Lord Jesus said, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John chapter 14, verses 26 through 27. Here is the practical secret of perfect peace. Listening to the Savior's words as found in this book. He is always saying to the wind-driven heart, as he said to the wind-tossed sea of old, Peace, be still. And if we listen, there is always a great calm. Mark 4.39 In the seventh place, the Bible, properly studied, brings joy as well as peace. Jeremiah discovered that truth many, many centuries ago. In the midst of crushing sorrow, in the midst of the disintegration and shame and agony of the nation he passionately loved, and for which he would gladly have died, in the midst of conditions as dark and foreboding as ever confronted any man on earth, he sang, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. Jeremiah 15.16 Is there any joy purer than that which comes from properly directed study? But there is no other study that brings joy for a moment comparable to the joy that comes from proper Bible study. Many forms of study bring joy to a healthy mind. The joys that come from earnest study of various kinds, philosophical, scientific, historical, literary, and linguistic, have been among my chief joys for many years, nearly my whole life from early boyhood. But there has come into my heart a joy from Bible study, by digging into the gold mines of this wonderful and inexhaustible book. But the joys that have come from all other forms of study are not worthy to be compared to this joy for one moment. There are no other joys like this. Scripture Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Psalm 1, 1-3 I might go on and on, telling the great things that the right kind of Bible study will accomplish. There is no end to the subject, so we may as well stop here. Isn't it as clear as day that the study of a book that this is what this book most assuredly is, and a book that does what this book most assuredly does, is infinitely the most important and valuable study in the world? The luster of all other study grows dim compared with this. Will you then begin to study the Bible as you ought? Begin today. Please note that I have been careful to say over and over again, the Bible properly studied, that is, the Bible studied in the way and by the methods in and by which it should be studied, 
studied in a way appropriate to the unique and divine character of the book. There is Bible study, or at least what is called Bible study, that is not so profitable as this. Indeed, there is Bible study that is not profitable at all, and even Bible study that is positively injurious. I would rather have a son or daughter of mine study almost anything else than have them study the Bible as they study it at the University of Chicago, or in the American Institute of Sacred Literature, or in many other places in these days. I will speak next on how to properly study the Bible, for light and not for darkness, for life and not for death, for blessing and not for cursing. And so it will lift us up to heaven, and not sink us down to hell.